Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. good. Outstanding. Well, welcome to Livingstone Church. Really glad you're here. Good morning, Lombardi family. Great to see you guys. Um, and we just got a few announcements going on. Um, one of the things that we've got going on is coming up is the Pastor's Coffee on the first Saturday in April. So put that on your calendars. This week is a an amazing week. Just an absolutely amazing week. It's, this is the Passion Week. We celebrate the Passion Week of Christ. Um, this morning, um, one of the things I haven't done a whole lot of since I've been here is, is on Palm Sunday, talk about Palm Sunday, but we're definitely going to do that this morning, um, coming out of Matthew. And then at 7.30, Friday night, we have our Good Friday service. Um, love for you to come. And love for you to bring a friend. If somebody you know somebody you've talked with has struggled with why why the, the violence of the cross why the necessity of, of such an event why was that necessary for those things to take place we'd love for you to come on Good Friday and we really try to answer that question well on Good Friday as we celebrate together um, sing some songs that you may not normally hear we, and, and you may not so a lot of that service is maybe just sitting there and just contemplating and hearing and, and reflecting upon. Um, the room will be dimly lit, so I'm just kind of preparing you for what it's going to be like. When you come in here we'll, and we start the service, the lights will go down. Um, it'll be very dimly lit in here. It'll be a, really a service of reflection and thinking upon um, why the cross was necessary and how we respond to the cross. And then on Sunday morning... We are going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. I've seen the songs that got that uh, we got lined up, and we're just going to have a party. Okay, we 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 of all people on Resurrection Sunday, especially, should be the most loudest, obnoxious, joyful bunch of people on the planet. Okay, and so we plan on doing that. Okay, um, if we break a few windows because we're celebrating so loud, hey, it's okay. We're going to do that. All right, but we're going to have a lot of fun. Right, Lois? We're going to have a lot of fun. That's right. So please uh, make sure to be praying for these events. Easter Sunday is one of those those Sundays where in which a lot of people who don't normally attend a gathering or church service come. They come because it's something that was in their background. There was something there that that they find um, enjoyable about attending an Easter service. And so that God would just touch their hearts as we talk about on Easter Sunday morning the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. And I... Telling you what, there's so many crazy things going on in this valley. Just, just talking with Roseanne this morning and overdoses at schools. We got a kid that was on a skateboard, longboard, and hit his head and fractured his skull in five different places, my understanding. He's at Harborview in critical condition. Um, we've got just so much hard stuff going on in our valley right now. And victory and hope is something that people are in desperate need of and and that comes with a very clear message in who Jesus Christ is. And so we're going to do that on Easter Sunday. So please be praying for that. Because I'm telling you what, the evil one's going to come up and he's going to stand against. And he's going to try to cause conflict. He's going to try to cause the things to go on this week that are going to pull our hearts away from this week. And what, it, what, what we're supposed to be doing and representing for the kingdom of God. So please be in prayer for this week. Be in prayer for, you know, people you should be asking friends, neighbors to the services. And just let's... Let's come to just enjoy and celebrate our King and His faithfulness to us. 
So please uh, join with me in prayer as we, and then we'll proceed in music immediately following. Father God, I thank you for this wonderful and amazing opportunity to come here and reflect upon the events of the Passion Week of Christ, the events that led to the cross and the resurrection of our Lord, our King. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just work in our hearts and our lives this morning. You would prepare us, and just as we walk through this week and as we engage others in our community, Lord, may we be just full of joy and hope and expectation as we talk with others. And as the world during this week recognizes that something significant took place, but they're not sure exactly what did. And we get to be the mouthpieces of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our lives get to be a reflection of the truth that the King has come and will come again for His people and establish His kingdom forever. And Lord God, may we rejoice in this truth. Lord, stir our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and join us.
seated. We can have our ushers come forward at this time. This is kind of a really amazing and a special morning, a special week that we've been having. Um, I don't know if he minds if I put him on the spot, but uh, we have a special person joining us with us this morning that's going to be staying with us for a while. Um, and it, where did he go? Where did Big Jeffrey go? He ran out of here? Oh, um, Jeffrey's son. Um, those of you who don't know, Jeffrey has a 20-year-old son, and he's come to live with him and stay with him for a while. And so as you see him, I just ask that you open your arms and give him a huge hug and uh, be praying for, for Jeffrey and Jeffrey um, as they, you, know, you can't get wrong there, okay? Just say Jeffrey, you're going to get one of them. And, um, and just um, pray for them as they draw near together. They have not been together in a very long time. And God is working and redeeming and renewing and restoring relationships. And, and, and God is at work in our congregation and in our body. And I know there's a lot of suffering going on in our community and in this church family. There's sorrow, there's grief, there's a lot of things going on in our hearts. The beauty of what God does, though, as a family of God, is that what's going on in your life is for our benefit. What's going on in our lives is for your benefit. And we go stronger together because of what God is doing in our midst. And that's the beauty of being part of a family. So I don't want you to feel that if you ask for prayer, if you come in with tears and just need to weep, that that's a burden. It's a blessing. It's a blessing for us to be there for one another and support each other through hard times. To lift each other up in prayer is a huge blessing that God has given for us. So that's what we're going to do right now. And as, as I pray, I just pray that you join with me in just praying for our church family. I'm not going to remember everything that's going on. You may know some things. Pray these things right now. Pray for our church family and for our community as God is just working His will and His way out in us. Have your way with us, Lord Jesus. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you that you are the God, the faithful God, the true God, who is ever present in our lives. You never leaves us. You never forsake us. Lord God, you are caring for our needs even at this moment, Lord. And I just pray as there's been so many things going on in our valley this week. I think of Angel. Lord God, as you pray, pray for him. Lord God, we pray for him right now together, Lord God, that you would heal his brain and, and help him to recover. Be with his family right now, Lord God, and strengthen them. And above all, Lord God, we ask for your name to be glorified in this situation and your will to be done. Lord, I pray for believers in Angel's life and his family's life that would come around and lovingly support them, encourage them, and point them towards Jesus right now. Lord God, we pray for those in our family that are still grieving, missing loved ones. Lord God, I pray that you would touch their heart this morning and be comfort and peace. May they receive encouragement and love from this body of believers today as we hug on each other, as we shake each other's hands and, and just be present in each other's lives. May there be comfort from the body of Christ this morning. May we intentionally reach out if we don't see one, someone here this morning, someone that's 
that's grieving, that's struggling, and, and just touch them. Lord, we pray for those that are going through physical ailments right now and recovering or, or beginning treatments. And Lord God, we just pray for all those. And Lord God, I just pray that your hand would powerfully heal their bodies and touch them, Lord God. And may they powerfully know the presence of the Holy Spirit as he works take care of their infirmities. And Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who cares about these things. You are not distant and far, but you are close. You are the intimate God who loves us, pursues us. Thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to bring these prayers before you. Lord God, please use these tithes and offerings for your glory and your kingdom work. In Jesus' most holy and wonderful name we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
your Bibles with you this morning. Let's open those up to Matthew chapter 21. Thank you so much, Christine. I really appreciated that this morning. Matthew chapter 21, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 this morning. I had the blessing and privilege of uh, going to pastor school this week. Um, we do a once a month, two days down in Wenatchee. Jeffrey and I do down in a pastor school that's being put on by uh, Grace City Church. And um, they're just bringing in just amazing people um, this, this time in. They brought in uh, Steve Timmis, who most of you aren't probably familiar with him. He is not a mega church pastor. He is not a well-renowned, you know, theologian who has written a bunch of theological books. Some of you have written, written one of his books called Total Church. Um, but he came and spoke to all the pastors and church planners that came. And he came straight out of 2 Corinthians. And the time together was entitled Spiritual Maturity for Leaders. What does it look like to be a mature leader? And on the second day on Friday... He had us shut down all of our computers because we're all like type A personality people and we're all like trying to grasp every word that he says and shut off our phones and he said, I just want you to listen. And he proceeded to go through 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It was so powerful, almost every man in that room by the time he was finished was, was just in tears. It was like we were sitting at the feet of Paul and we were the Corinthian church being rebuked, lovingly rebuked for having hearts of arrogance, pride, and disobedience. It's the most wonderful thing in the world to just sit there and weep with other men and just feel like you're being washed once again by the blood and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful thing to wrestle with, to know, to draw near to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And that's my desire this morning, that as we read this passage, as we go through it verse by verse, and as we look at this, that we may wrestle this morning with the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Because there's a lot of misconceptions about Jesus. There's a lot of bad teaching about who he is and what he came to do. And that we might be crystal clear this morning, and there may be some of you here this morning that, and I'm praying so, that, that may have had a misunderstanding about who Jesus was and is. And that this morning you might be shaken to your core, and it's okay. I want to give you permission this morning to get shaken. Because I think we feel sometimes that we've got to put on this rough exterior, but I hope that we create there's such a family environment here that we create a place where it's safe to get shaken and allow the Holy Spirit to move within us and teach us about Jesus Christ because that is the primary role and purpose of the Holy Spirit is to teach us about Jesus. And so I just pray that the Holy Spirit powerfully moves this morning as we study God's word together and we look to 
these incredible statements that were made about our king and a people who so desperately desired one. Starting in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt, and they put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Father God, thank you for the proclamation of the crowds. Thank you for, Father, for caring so much about us that you, you foretell of these events 500 years before they happened, and then you teach us about their fulfillment, and just you're, you're continuing to demonstrate to us how faithful you are, how trustworthy you are. You are the God who was and is and is to come. And Lord, you're wicked. We can fully rest in your character. Teach us about you this morning. Teach us about our Savior, Jesus Christ. That we may be faithful servants of the Almighty King. And truly desire to say in our hearts, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus' name we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Got together with some gentlemen. I get together with um, Jeffrey and, and Glenn, and we, we talk about the passage. And I present my outline to them and some questions, and they, they beat me up a little bit over over the text. And the three of us sat there this week, and we were perplexed. We tried to come up. I like to give it an image at the beginning of a sermon to kind of help solidify what's going on. And we thought for a very long time, what example that I can give that will compare to this story. And we couldn't come up with a single one. Everyone we brought up said, well, but it doesn't follow here. It doesn't follow there. This is such a unique and uncommon and different thing in anything in history that we can ever find. This is so powerful. It is so powerful and wonderful that it is one of the very few stories in the Gospels that is mentioned not just in Matthew, not just in Mark, not just in Luke, but also in the Gospel of John. All four Gospels give an account of this entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. This is significant. 
In all four gospel accounts, so much so that God really wants us as his children, as his disciples, as his followers, to understand what is taking place here. He wants to be explicitly clear about Jesus Christ entering Jerusalem and why the king has come. You see, it begins with understanding this morning that this wonderful, powerful event was a fulfillment of something that God had said a long time ago. And Zechariah 9.9. Now, Zechariah, some of you are going, where is Zechariah? Zechariah is in the Old Testament. Okay? And it's part of what we would call the minor prophets. Now, they're not minor in, in significance and meaning, but they're minors as far as like their shorter prophetic books. They weren't well as well known. But in Zechariah 9, chapter 9, verse 9, we read, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 500 years before Jesus Christ came, these words were penned. And Jesus Christ in this event fulfills these words. The Israelites, the people of Israel knew and understood these words. And when they saw these events happening before them, they were getting excited. They were getting very excited to see that the king is come in fulfillment of the scriptures and fulfillment of the prophecies. Is Jesus this one? Is this the king that was promised? They're excited and they're participating in this wonderful entrance of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. And Jesus, the way he goes about this particular event, establishes himself as one who is not just a fulfillment of prophecies, but the greatest prophet of all time. Jesus Christ tells his disciples, hey, go and find, you're going to, to this, this person's place, and you're going to, go to, to, and you're going to go and discover that there's this donkey and this colt tied up there. He is sitting there telling his disciples what's going to take place. And, now this is kind of crazy in our minds, right? You're just going to, I mean, could you imagine, you go to your neighbor's house. This is so much fun. You're going to your neighbor's house, right? Let's say I tell you this morning, hey, um, I'm going to drive to Wenatchee tomorrow, okay? And I, I, I really like to drive a Ferrari, and your neighbor's got one, okay? And so what I want you to do is, is go, get, go get your neighbor's Ferrari for me, and just when you knock on the door and ask him for the keys, just say, hey, Scott wants it. <laughs> and and, and you, you, you're just going to hand you the keys, right? So this is a little bit hard for us to understand, what Jesus Christ is doing here, he is establishing himself and his authority and his dominion. And he is sitting here saying, hey, these events are going to take place. Go and find this. But Jesus doesn't ask for a Ferrari. He asks for a Pinto. How many of y'all remember Pintos? If you In the next service, I'm going to ask that same question. <laughs> or Gremlin. Those, those were fun, too. But that's when Jesus doesn't come up and he asks for because there's a certain certain significance and the animals and the beasts that he is specifically going to ride in on. But Jesus tells his disciples, go and untie it and these people are going to give them to you. Now there was a tradition back in this day that it was not uncommon 
for these events to take place like this, for someone to borrow something and give need to them and, and give them this cult for him to be used and then return later. But it was very powerful that Jesus knew where they would be tied up, knew, told the disciples what to say. And the things were fulfilled exactly as Jesus said. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. To show his disciples, I am the one that is promised. I am the one that was to come. As these events unfold before our eyes, hopefully as we're reading them, we get a little excited about, okay, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. We get excited with the crowds and we get an anticipation that the king is coming to start establishing his kingdom and his dominion. And, and, and we get excited as we lean forward because we know Jesus is entering in and he's fulfilling prophecy. He's fulfilling the events that take place. And Jesus is the promised one. He is the Messiah. And these people in the crowds are very excited to see him draw near. What you don't get in the, in the three synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but you get in the gospel of John, is a little parenthetical statement of why everybody was so amped up. Why everybody was so excited to come and to witness Jesus coming in. The crowds were excited because Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. The greatest miracle of all time. Somebody was dead four days in the grave, in the tomb, starting to smell, starting to decay, was brought forth out of the grave and was healed. People are excited, and only one person could do this, the promised one of God. And they are filled with excitement. They're filled with anticipation as they see the prophecies of old being fulfilled before their very eyes. But Jesus, the way he enters into Jerusalem, is peculiar. It is strange. You would think that a conquering king, a king who's coming in to establish his kingdom and his throne and his dominion forever and ever, would, would ride in a little bit something more than just an unbroken cult. Right? But as Jesus mounts this unbroken cult, this cult that had never ever been ridden on before, the animal doesn't buck, doesn't kick, and is at peace. As they throw the garments upon him, and Jesus sits upon him. You see, this understanding of Jesus mounting a colt should have a donkey should have given imagery back to the Old Testament of Judges, chapter five, verse ten. That to ride a donkey was, was something that rulers and kings did in times of Well, what kind of leader were they expecting? One, this isn't a time of peace. Look around you. The Romans have invaded. The Romans are now conquerors. The Romans own and possess the very land in which the Jews are supposed to have. It was they're supposed to be their promised land. And they are oppressors. They, they take their taxes. They take their money. They take their land. They, are, they take their children. They are people. They are conquering people. Where, where is this peace? How can there be peace? How can Jesus be riding into Jerusalem on a symbol of peace? Why isn't he riding in on a great war horse? A stallion. A huge beast in which when he sits upon it just exudes authority and people quiver and shake. But Jesus comes in on this, 
unbroken dump. A symbol of peace in a time of complete unrest. A time where zealots were forming bands together to, to kill Roman soldiers or to thwart or stand in the way of Roman government and, and to fight against and to the oppression of the Romans. The people of God being told what to do, the Israelites being told what to do by a pagan authority. What peace is there amidst this? Jackets, when it talks about garments being thrown in the streets, to cover the ground, the road before Jesus, it's this outer garment. I don't know if any of you got concerned after reading this, going, oh great, there's a bunch of naked people standing around saying, Hosanna in the highest. Don't worry. So they took, I'd be like me, taking off my jacket, right? And yes, I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt underneath my jacket today. It's warm. It's getting warmer. And they just threw it in the ground. Don't tell my wife I'm doing this, right? And they threw it on the ground before Jesus. And this symbolic event... As they take off their garments and their clothes, it is like the people, by placing their jackets on the ground, are bowing down before the king. As they lay their garments in the road before the king, and the king's going to ride the donkey that's going to step upon their garments. It is as if the people themselves are bowing down to the king, to the conquering king. You can feel the excitement in the air. You can feel this, this anticipation of this coming king. And they went and they broke palm branches off. And they spread them in the road. And they put them before Jesus. In recognition of his lordship, his kingship. They were very excited to see. There we go. Is it fixed now? I don't know. They're very excited to see this king conquering king come. It's great anticipation. Now, now for many of us who've studied those scriptures and studied, you're like, this is such a stark contrast because we know in such a short period of time, they're going to be screaming out something else, but it's not Hosanna. It's crucifying. And, and so there's this stark contrast. But right now, they're very excited. They're anticipating the arrival of Jesus Christ, but they're missing something peculiar and strange that's going on. They've seen his actions, they've seen his works, his teaching has awed and inspired and amazed them. He holds the scribes and the Pharisees at bay with his wisdom. He heals the demons and the spiritually oppressed. He has authority over the spiritual realms. He calms waters. He has authority over the physical. He heals people's bodies. He he heals the blind. He helps the mute speak. All of these things referencing to the age of the coming Messiah. John the Baptist asked Jesus, are you the promised one? And his response is, the blind see, the mute speak. Because this is the the sign. These are the things that they should have recognized that the king had come. And people are excited. They're starting to see, they're starting to recognize that the prophecies are being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And they're very excited that they're Throwing their jackets down. They're putting palm branches in the road. They're screaming, Hosanna. Hosanna is is a word that we sing in songs, but do we understand the meaning of the word? 
Sometimes we get used to songs and words and they become common to us, but sometimes we miss the significance and meaning behind them. Hosanna is a, is a term that would have come from a Hebrew derivative, and it was a term that was a command. Deliver us. Deliver us. And so their command, this, this uncommon king that comes before them, comes in a way that not, they were not expecting and not thinking about. But the uncommon king comes, and their reflection of his coming is to proclaim these words and to scream these words at the top of their lungs, and in celebration, the deliverer of the son of David has come. Don't miss that. Remember, in the Gospel of Matthew, over and over again, the, uh, Matthew is speaking to a Jewish audience and continuing to remind them, Jesus is the King. This is the King Jesus Gospel. That's what it is. Over and over and over again, Jesus is the King. The promised one. He is the one who establishes the kingdom, the eternal kingdom. We see it partly realized now with future and complete fulfillment to come, and we long for that day, that Jesus is the King. The promised one. And when they say, Hosanna, the deliverer from the Son of David. Now, when David was king, and David was a king in the Old Testament, and he was one of the kings that brought the nation of Israel together, he fought a lot of wars on behalf of God and the people of Israel, he conquered a lot of peoples, he threw out a lot of bad influences out of the kingdom, he made a lot of mistakes, he was a man after God's own heart. And so David was made this promise. God made this promise with David and told him, From you there will come a king whose reign will never end. So when they say, Deliver us, son of David, from the line of David, it's this understanding that they see he is the coming Messiah. They see that he is the coming king. And they are very excited. They are proclaiming his kingship. They are very excited to be proclaiming. And Hosanna in the highest. The deliverer that comes from the very throne of God. Oh, don't you wish you could have been in that crowd at that moment? That would have been amazing to sing those praises to Jesus as he's entering into Jerusalem. They were ecstatic. And this praise comes from Psalm 118. And these praises would have been sung as the people went up into Jerusalem. You see, it's kind of hard for us to imagine. I mean, most of us, you know, if we're going to sing, we're going to, you know, we'll sing in the shower, or we'll sing in the cars, we're driving, a good song comes on that we really like, and we start singing the song. Well, singing was something that brought the people of Israel together and unified them as God's chosen people. And when they went up to Jerusalem and they went up for the feasts and, and the observances and the going up for the Day of Atonement, they would sing these songs, these hymns, together. And Psalm 18 would have been one of these songs, these psalms of praise in which they would have sung together, recognizing and looking to the future fulfillment, the promised one of God to come. To draw them together. They also... Proclaim, blessed is the one coming in the name of the Lord. 
This understanding is this blessing that would have been placed upon the king as the king would have been leading this procession to the temple as people are singing these songs. The king would have been out front and the priest would have blessed the king saying this, blessed is the one coming in the name of the Lord. And so when they're saying this, when they're saying this, they're blessing Jesus Christ as the king who comes from the very throne of God. They are excited to see. They are blessing Jesus with this praise and this adoration and this exaltation. And they are excited. They are thrilled. The king has come. They have been waiting such a long time. The days and the ages of oppression, of being beat down. You've got to remember back the Israelites. This has been going on with them for a very long time. You got the book of Judges. Judges is so much about the people of Israel disobeying God and the people get conquered and God rises up a judge to deal with those that have oppressed them and to deliver them from oppression. And then the people do what? Oh, we're always going to follow you, God. We're always going to watch by your side. We're always going to do what's right. And then like next chapter, the people of Israel enter back into sin again, right? And then this opens over and over. Judges is a pretty depressing book. I mean, you're just like, man, these people are blockheads. They're just not getting it. And then it continues on as these kings rise and fall and the history of Israel. God finally has enough. And Israel pretty much becomes a conquered people. Moving from one conquering people to the next. Rome being this final powerful conquering people of the nations that were promised in the book of Daniel of those that would come conquered. They have been in oppression for a very long time. They don't know anything else but being oppressed. You think paying taxes in America is hard? Back then it would have been brutal. Land taken from you. And, and you may walk up thinking you're going to pay this much tax and you're going to end up paying this much tax. Well, maybe there are some similarities in America. The people are so excited to see Jesus come in. This is the long-awaited, long-expected Jesus. Beautiful hymn, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. They are singing his praises because the come long-expected Messiah King had come. And they were thrilled. It was a day of celebration. So why spend so much time thinking? Why spend four different gospel authors writing about this event? If this is just a time of praise and celebration, yes, we want to praise and celebrate. We read that the Pharisees in one of the gospels spoke up and said, your disciples need to be quiet. And Jesus says, hey, listen, if my disciples are quiet, then the rocks themselves are going to cry out. The very creation is going to praise God. This praise is necessary. This praise must be had. But when these people are praising God, as excited as they are, and as they look to see these scriptures and prophecies fulfilled in Jesus Christ, there is a great void and a great misunderstanding happening going on right here. You see, when they proclaimed the kingship of Jesus Christ, when they proclaimed this deliverance that God was bringing to them, what deliverance were they bringing, were they seeking? 
The deliverance they were seeking was a political deliverance. The deliverance they were seeking was, was a king to come in and rise up and have a massive army and slaughter the Romans. To completely wipe them out. To establish a kingdom to put up really big walls and to establish an eternal kingdom forever where in which the Israelites will never ever have to know domination and dominion ever again. Will never be a conquering conquered people. They will be the conquerors. They will be the strong. They will be the mighty. And that's what they are praising Jesus about as they sit there and as they reflect upon this. This is the king. This is why they're singing these songs. Because they want their own country. They want their own state. They want their own reign where in which they will never ever have to succumb to the authority of one outside of the will of God again. That is what they want. They want a king. The king to come. There's just one glaring problem. They don't possess the ability to follow the king. That they want the king to come and establish his reign, but they don't currently possess the ability to follow in obedience to what the king will command and what the king will expect them to do. They don't have this ability yet unless the king comes upon a colt. He's not upon a stallion. That's Revelation 19. We're going to get there someday. It's going to be magnificent. But this is Matthew chapter 21. And Jesus is coming upon a colt. And these people fail to see the imagery and fail to understand that salvation must first come to the people so that they can follow the king and they can be active participants in the kingdom's work. You see, we are still struggling with this today. We still have this misunderstanding of Jesus Christ. And it's often reflected, and I don't mean to get off on a hobby horse or a soapbox this morning, but I've got to reference it. Some of you are in despair this morning over our current political situation in this country. Stop looking for a king. The king has come. And he is in complete control. And he is seated upon the throne and all things are being worked out to his glory and our benefit so that the kingdom can come. Brothers and sisters, this isn't home. God is bringing things to the fulfillment and end of days so that he can crack the sky and take us home and establish his kingdom forever and his dominion will be eternal. We don't need a king to look to a a president to be a king for us. We have the king and he's supposed to be reigning in our hearts, in our lives. And he's supposed to make it, he makes it possible for us to follow him and be underneath his kingdom's authority. What king are you looking for this morning? Are you still in search of a king? And, and looking outwardly and looking at different things in your life to rule and control your life and have dominion in your life, things that are not Jesus. Are we looking to things to make us happy and bring us peace and joy that are not Jesus? And we keep ending up with a bankrupt, broken heart. But yet we profess to know Jesus. We profess to know that He is King. We profess to know Him in this way of peace that He brings. But yet in our hearts we don't know that peace because He is not seated upon the throne of our heart. We are. 
It was so wonderful to be broken this week and God preparing me for this sermon as God just powerfully hit me upside the head saying, Scott, am I upon the throne of your heart? Do you, do you know the peace that I can bring? The king has come. Why do you keep looking for other kings? They missed the fact that Jesus was the king that brought peace in the midst of turmoil. Don't miss that. Jesus is the king who comes to bring peace in the midst of turmoil. He does not at this time remove the Romans. You see, God wants us to know him as, Jesus wants us to know him as king in the midst of everything that we are in right now. The king that brings peace. We don't have to be delivered from our circumstances and situations. We can find peace and hope in the midst of our circumstances and situations because Jesus Christ brings peace. He is the king when seated upon the throne of our hearts brings peace in the midst of it. It's been so wonderful and, and amazing to walk alongside Nicole and Johan during these last couple of weeks to watch them as they leaning into Christ to know what peace looks like in the midst of situations. I, I'm pretty confident that sometime they have cried out, Lord, please deliver me from this. Please take me out of this. I wish this had never happened. Yet, in their hearts, they're leaning in to Jesus. And it's been a huge, wonderful example to me. As you see her posts on Facebook. You see, Jesus Christ came so that we might know peace. Right where we are. Don't miss that this morning. And if we're struggling to know peace in our hearts, and if we're struggling to know what it is to have, be comforted by God, then where maybe the question you need to ask yourself this morning is, is Christ firmly seated upon the throne of my heart, or have I replaced him with something again? If I push him to the side in search of something else that will give me hope and peace. The second thing that they were missing as the king came, as what did they want deliverance from? They missed that he was the king that came to bring peace in the midst of all things so that we might have peace in our hearts because of what he was going to accomplish on the cross. But what did they want deliverance from? This is the second thing that they missed and that we often miss and that the world is missing is that what the world wants deliverance from is problems, situations, circumstances, behaviors. They want deliverance from Things that are external. Maybe emotions even in their hearts. They want deliverance from these things. But what they truly, what the world is struggling with is they don't realize what they need deliverance from is the sin that has corrupted every single one of our hearts. That we need deliverance from the bondage and death that comes with sin. And only Jesus Christ can bring deliverance. What these people wanted deliverance from was an oppression, a regime, a people a circumstance, a situation. They wanted to know peace, but they wanted to know peace in their terms. But they didn't want their hearts changed, and that is really put magnified by the Pharisees and the scribes in their actions. If any of the people of God, the Israelites during that time, who should have recognized Jesus as Messiahship and His kingship, it should have been them. Salvation cannot come, deliverance cannot come apart from the change of a heart. 
There can be no eternal kingdom of God if the hearts and lives of people aren't changed. Because we'll turn right back to doing what we do best. Sinning, rebelling against God. If our heart hasn't been changed by the power of God. We need deliverance from unclean hearts. Jesus Christ came to bring peace. (coughs) Seated upon an unbroken colt, riding into Jerusalem, demonstrating his authority in his kingdom. Do you know that peace this morning? Have you mistakenly sought after a king? who you think exists to bring you all the desires of your heart. The bigger house, the fancy cars, the successful job. Because you see, to follow Jesus Christ, to know his peace is to know his suffering. It is to know what it is to to go through very difficult times, but yet have that knowing in your heart everything is okay because the king is enthroned. The king is established in your life as the leader, as the sovereign one. When you pray, when you speak to God, do your prayers reflect the authority and the kingship of Christ in your life? Or do our prayers represent an idea and a desire to manipulate God to be the king we think he needs to be? And some of you here this morning have got a really misconstrued understanding of the king and why he has placed you upon this earth. He is the king who has come to bring peace in the midst of our circumstances and situations. And we will suffer and we will go through hard times because as we do so, we will be identified with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will know him more deeply. We will see his power and his might revealed in our lives. We will see the king's authority. And you see, he's a good king. Chronicles of Narnia, maybe some of you have read the books or seen the movies. I love it when the beaver, Mr. Beaver, asks or says to one of the children, I forget when one of the children asks, asks him, is, is Aslan safe? The beaver responds, safe? No, he's not safe, but he's good. Jesus Christ came to bring peace to a people whose hearts had not known peace and had not been delivered. And to follow Jesus and his authority isn't safe. He's going to take you through hard times. Is going to take you through rough times because he wants to reveal how good and how amazing and how powerful he is. And you're not going to know that unless you go through those times. There's a saying my professor shared with me in seminary, and I wish it wasn't true, but it's the truth. And God can't use you greatly until he's hurt you deeply. 
Because in the midst of those hard things that we go through, as he disciplines our hearts, we draw close to him and we know who he is in the midst of these things. And he is the God who brings peace. We can grieve and know peace. We can suffer and know peace. We can sit with the person who's going through very difficult times and wonder what words we say and still have peace in our hearts because God is leading the situation. My question to you this morning is, do you know that peace? That deep peace that Christ came and he brought to us. The peace that the people missed And when they realized that he was not the one to come and bring a dominion and an authority of a political reign, they in turn against him and screams, crucify him. When we realized that that God we thought was going to bring us all this prosperity that we want and that we can't manipulate God, do we still turn to him and do we still worship him saying, Lord, thy will be done bring peace upon my heart and my life because if you're not giving those things to me it's because it's not good for me and I want what you want for my life because you're the king of my life. To bring peace to our hearts. Yesterday we had an incredible opportunity. Um, On Friday we got a text from some folks who um, their daughter left at 4 a.m. this morning to go become an airman. And they texted Christy and I or messaged us or one of those ways of communication and uh, asked for Christy and I to, to pray over her before she went out. Now, I don't know where she's at with God. The young girl who's been going off. And so we got to bring her into our home. But it was so cool this week is she called um, a very dear friend of mine who I haven't seen in nine years spent the weekend with me. He was someone I graduated seminary with and we met the first week of seminary and he is now an Air Force chaplain. When God just shows off. <laughs> we sat down with her and her family yesterday. We got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. We've got to talk about the hard moments that she's going to experience as an airman going through basic training. <clears throat> People are going to yell at her. People are going to tell her her best work stinks because that's what they got to do. they got to break you down and they got to rebuild you and they got to change you from being a civilian to military personnel, even in the Air Force. <laughs> but we got to share with them that when you're a child of God, even in those terrifying moments, even those moments of the failure, you can know peace. Because the king has come. And the king came to bring peace to our souls through the blood that he shed on the cross. He became sin. His body was broken. And he rose again on the third day So that we, a broken people, a messy people, might have peace in the midst of all circumstances and situations. 
Please join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for sending your son Jesus Christ that we might know it is to have peace in our hearts, to be forgiven of our sins, to have victory over sin and the grave, to have a future and hope, to have a great expectation that we can shout, Hosanna to the Son of David, and cry out with great expectation, Lord God, knowing that you will deliver us and you have delivered us for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. We cry those cries and we sing those songs and we rejoice that you are the one that delivers and that you, you are the one that has provided hope to us and peace to us and comfort. We'll still know hard days. We'll know days with with little finances. We'll know days of of tough days at the job where in which we're beginning to little and and beat down. We'll know days of suffering and hardship. We'll know days of grief and mourning. Yet in all of these days, Lord, we know that you have gone before us. You're more than the conqueror. You are the greatest conqueror and that you have defeated sin and the grave and that in every single moment of our life we have the opportunity to know what peace is because you reign in us. Lord, may we have this proper understanding of who you are and why you came. And Lord, it is with great expectation and excitement that we look to the someday King Revelations 19, King Jesus is going to return and establish his kingdom forever. But until that time, may we live as a people of peace who know what it is to be forgiven, who know what it is to forgive others and to serve you and serve one another as your family of God. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
ask that right now, Mike, you got that video is queued up. Should so I'm gonna just have Mike play a short video for in reference to Good Friday service. You can sit down real quick. We're gonna watch this video and we'll close out the service. We can get ready for this this Good Friday service together. Um, one thing I want to announce that's in your bulletins right now um, is immediately following the service, we're gonna have the parsonage open. Um, for those of you who have read the letter that Paul sent out. Um, we're going to be placing the parsonage on the market to sell. Um, it's as we look to the future where God is leading us and growing us. So um, if you want to walk through the parsonage, if you know anybody who wants to buy it or looking to buy a home, please um, go over there, take a look, and then tell your friends about it in an information sheet. Um, so immediately following this service, you can head on over there and do that. Um, there is no Sunday school this morning. Um, Dave Coldy is with his family in Wyoming. Um, and be with, pray with for them as they're still uh, grieving the loss of Joan's brother-in-law. And be with them as they go through that time. Pray you have an amazing week this week. As you think about, contemplate what it took for us to have peace, what it took for us to know what it's like to have Christ reigning in our hearts and our lives. And hopefully it'll do two things. Hopefully it'll do one, make you realize how gross and ugly your sin is and my sin is. And two, hopefully it'll just draw you in to know how valued you are, how much you are loved and cherished, and how much God desires for you to have you have Him reign in your life, that He would come and He would provide the way of salvation for us. Take time this week to just think upon that. Be washed by it. Let, let it hit you hard. Ask the hard questions of yourself. Lord, are you, are you reigning in my life? And if, I'm, if you're not, if, you're, if I've got some place in my life where you have, I've kept you from reigning, please make, that, make me very aware of that right now. I hope you have an amazing week and God just touches your heart this week. Please be in prayer for the, the team as we prepare for Easter, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday services and Good Friday. Um, we sure appreciate your prayers. Thank you so much for coming.